This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 431 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. Tonight we have an episode dedicated to Lyndon Gray's Horse Mastership Program. Hillary Moore Hebert is on to give us some of her great takeaways from the week. And we have a participant, Jordan Osborne. And of course, we have a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week for you. Jen and Phil, how are you guys tonight? I'm fabulous. I'm not sure about Philip. We're having some internet trouble again. Philip, I think everyone on your on your neighborhood is watching Netflix currently. Uh, maybe I just talk too much. I don't know. That might be <laughs> maybe, maybe. But but Phil, real quickly, how did how would the horse show go? Uh, actually, we've been doing really well. Um, we took two four-year-olds out to do their kind of their first get out of the go and have some fun. And they did amazingly well. And I'm really happy with them. And I'm really looking forward to next year, um, you know, to keep building on our success. Yeah. And this is the last of your season, right? You're, do- you're yeah, done now. The, kind of the, the last big show for us. There's some small stuff going on. And, and uh, uh, yeah, we're kind of winding down, going back to my favorite part, training. Training, training, training. It. So training, I'm really training. excited. Yeah. Very cool. Well, everybody, we have a great show for you. And right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come with Hillary Moore Hebert uh, for her monthly segment. And she's going to talk about the Courtney King Die and the Lyndon Gray Mastership Program. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Researchers have confirmed that as horses age, they naturally become less sensitive to insulin and more susceptible to health problems caused by too much sugar in the diet. One way to reduce the sugar content in a horse's diet is to replace sugar-laden grains with a high-fat supplement. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It is readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of sugary grains. Equijewel Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. Best of all, Equijewel allows owners to easily replace the calories previously supplied by sugary grains. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijewel. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Tonight, we are so happy to have our monthly segment with Hillary Moore Hebert, contributing editor to Dressage Today. Hillary, welcome. Hi, guys. We always love when you come on to visit with us. <laughs> you always got good topics to talk about. You, you go places and you do stuff, and we're, we're happy to have you on. Well, and I hope you guys and the listeners appreciate 
that I am calling from Canada. So we're going to talk about this the next time around, but I'm up here for the Hanoverian inspection at Prince Edward Island. So I am trying to call in remotely, although I guess it's not international for everyone. (laughs) Well, you're just like a neighbor to Phil at this point. Yeah, you're like yeah. next door, right? You're going to come visit me right after? <laughs> By 12 hours <laughs> yeah, or something crazy. Yeah. I wish I could walk. <laughs> you could yeah, walk right. and go to see Phil. So yeah. I'm just excited because you're in Prince Edward Island, which I watched Anne of Green Gables growing up. So I like, I want to go there someday. So I'm excited. Not for a horsey, cool. but now that there's horses, I could go there too. So that would be even fun to put it all in, right? Yeah, exactly. So Hillary, we're actually having a really, really good uh, discussion this show about the Lyndon Gray uh, and Courtney King mastership program. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. So um, the Courtney King die um, horse mastership program or clinic. uh, I, of course I didn't think about um, remembering which one it was, but I was there the whole weekend and through the week and everything um, off and on visiting because it's a phenomenal program. Uh, They had a clinic at Hassler Dressage um, that is in Chesapeake City, Maryland. Um, And that was, uh, I guess, still this month, but earlier in the month. And there were four instructors, um, actually make five because Courtney King Dye was there. London Gray was there. Olivia Logoy Welch was there, Allison Brock was there, and Scott Hassler was there. Um, all of them were teaching off and on. Uh, and um, then there was also unmounted lectures from the clinicians as well as other people regarding fitness, nutrition, things like that. So I had the chance because um, my uh, working student, Maya, was invited to go and ride. Uh, and so it was interesting for me because I was able to watch a lot of the lessons, um, but also I was able to see someone who I teach, um, you know, on a daily basis working um, with, she ended up working with Courtney King, Guy, and um, Allie Brock for the second two. So she had two lessons um, with each of them. So I thought I would just share some of the the most interesting and helpful tips that I took, both from her lessons and some of the other students. But starting out with a really interesting exercise that Allie Brock had her do that I think a lot of us are familiar with, but Maya is riding at third level, showing at third level, and she had her hold a whip underneath her thumb parallel to the ground so that she would really work on not only having quiet hands, which I think of as sort of more that lower level thing that you're working through. But for Maya, it also helped in having that really close kind of area that you're working in. So you don't get in the habit of over-exaggerating that aid to open your hand in or crossing over the withers in these huge ways. It really made it so that she was working inside a smaller space, which helped maintain her position because like a figure skater that stays really tight in with their arms, she wasn't throwing herself off balance. And I found it very interesting to see because, again, it made it such a focus of what she was doing that then when she did things like doing spiraling in and out or transitions or doing some of the lateral movements, it really made her challenge herself and say, I know I'm supposed to be riding from my core and seat and my leg aid, 
am I doing that? Or when is it that I'm tempted to pull back? And so what I liked about the exercise is as a starting exercise for people, it's a good way to make your hands quiet. And for more intermediate riders, it's a good way to call attention to yourself when you know better and really feel when it is that you're tempted to ride incorrectly. That's really interesting. Huh. And how did Maya, what, and, and you take, how, how was it from a coach rider standpoint from there? I think that what was interesting to me to see is that when she did it, you don't, even in times where you didn't notice that the horse was like really changing very much or that her hand looked very different, it was such a quieting aid that the horse just got a lot better in the contact more than I would have even expected to. Because you're never allowed to kind of, you know, pull back or pull to the side at all. They get really honest to the connection. And he is an older Arabian who, um, you know, has just come to the farm in the past year. So um, he's working up to doing I1, but he kind of has that quintessential in the double bridle, but he kind of holds his head there as opposed to wanting to stretch out. And it really made the difference of having him open up right in front of the wither and stretch into the contact. Um, and by the end of the week, you could see the difference in his muscle because he was stretching that part of his neck. He was really getting a difference in his top line right in that area that can tend to be a little underdeveloped in horses that are, you know, tight and kind of holding their heads up. So I thought it was really interesting because um, it seemed like such a small difference, but he really blossomed when she was um, riding with that. That's really cool. So, Hillary, if you could go and just d- describe exactly what you're talking about, kind of in detail, so that um, mm-hmm. so that we all, you know, can understand, you know, really what's going on with the holding the whip there. So you can use a dressage whip or a crop because you don't need a longer crop and um, you don't need that large of a surface area. So what you do is you ride, if you imagine you're holding your hands in front of you and you can actually do this as I'm talking about it, hold your hands like you're riding, uh, just, you know, say you're going down center line in the show and your hands are in front of you, thumbs up, close-ish together, but not touching Um, then you take the whip and put it underneath each thumb so that it makes it that it keeps your hands. um, And as you keep the whip parallel to the ground, it keeps your hands level with each other at an equal distance apart. And then you're you're no longer using the whip as a whip. It's more of a training tool Correct. at this point. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So you could also find, you know, anything that was like that, right? Like if you had a just stick, a stick or, or anything, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's just that, um, we all have a whip around. So yeah. the thing that, um, Allie was having Maya do though, is to get the horse on the contact. It was okay to slide your hands wider to get a wider feel. But as soon as the horse started to soften and come rounder, then she was having Maya put her hands closer together again. So that was the only workspace she was allowed to have was widen her hands or come back into kind of your standard position. And as you can picture with having your hands on a whip, you could only go so wide without it becoming yeah, impossible to kind of be mm-hmm. keeping the whip balanced. Um, 
or you could have one hand come a little bit wider, but then arguably you're doing the same thing, right? You're just increase the distance between your hands or bring it back to sort of a neutral place, always feeling the connection in front. And, and that's where you can get to a place where you say, okay, are we talking about more foundationally having my hand just be pretty quiet at this place? Or for, in Maya's case, processing something that I couldn't just describe in one episode of developing the feel of I'm going to ask the horse to soften, come to the contact more, and then release that pressure, bring my hands together so the horse then is rewarded and brought to be on the contact. And, um, you know, I'm trying to be kind of careful about how I'm talking about it because I, I don't want it to sound as though I'm quoting her, um, you know, terminology and everything. Um, and I'm trying to kind of leave it vague for that because I think that how to get a horse to the contact soften and everything is a very, uh, trainer and rider specific thing. So, you know, I'm, I want you guys to have the sense of what she wanted her to do, but I think, you know, it's more that it's a question of the, the whip piece of it that was clearer to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, That gives a simple thing for people to, people to be able to try and to do and, and, uh, and see how it works and whether you get good results with it or, or, you know, just again, just playing around, right. Because we're, well, for us, we're in, now we're done show mode. We're, we're doing training mode again. So we're bringing ideas and, and, and helping people right now for me and and my students. So, um, that's a good one. So what other, what other tips and takeaways did we get? So Courtney King Dye had a really cool exercise where if you ride the haunches in and shoulder in correctly so that the horse is connected in the outside rein, bending around the inside leg so that the outside rein absorbs the bend and you have contact on the outside rein and the horse is truly around your inside leg, she had people ride haunches in to shoulder in, back to haunches in, starting in walk and then going to trot. And it seems like, okay, it's haunches into shoulder in. But I want, again, for everyone listening, to take your right hand and take your index finger and your middle finger and and have them together, um, you know, like you're making um, like a peace sign, but you put your fingers together. And now put the tips of your fingers down on the ground. And imagine that that is your inside leg and then take your other hand and cup it around like a C shape, like you're grabbing those fingers. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. So haunches in, rotate the haunches in, but stay wrapped around shoulder in, pivot Uh. around those fingers to shoulder in. And that's the only key that is what makes it to me like a very different exercise from when someone says go shoulder and haunches in or whatever. Courtney was insistent that it was the same concept, but that you're pivoting back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. And so what was really cool about that is then you can go into things like half pass and pivot so that you have more shoulders mm-hmm. leaning or pivot so that you could lead more with the haunches and not necessarily to have it be the way that you would ride in a test, but to play with the idea of maintaining bend as you're controlling the shoulder and the haunches, but not losing the bend. 
Wow. Weird. Huh. So, you know, what surprises me, Hillary, is that, you know, we've done a couple of hundred shows, Reese and I, and, and mm-hmm. you've been with us for a lot of them, and we can still talk about different concepts, you know, and just like, oh, that's a that's a different way to look at it. So, really appreciate you bringing that to, to us, and, and, and this, I mean, I've been writing a long time, Reese has been writing a long time, but... It, I kind of, I think that kind of surprised us both and yeah. gave us a little different idea. That's really cool. Well, and what I thought was really interesting from it too is Courtney was there and um, she, uh, London kind of took over a lesson for part of it. And it's so interesting to me that Courtney rode with London for so many years and even the way that they varied that exercise and the concept of riding inside leg to outside rain had been modified between the two of them that Courtney really sort of said, you know, okay, let's go from a place where Lennon was really working on pushing from the inside leg to outside rain. I thought that um, Courtney was talking about it in a little bit of a different perspective where again, she was sort of talking about that pivoting versus how I've always kind of thought of with the shoulder and the idea of the inside leg pushes to that outside rain to come up with a bend for the shoulder in and more for her she was like what if you ride the haunches in and develop bend from the inside leg you know before that but what if you ride haunches into shoulder and how can you do that and it I then went home to practice it and the way that I kind of applied the pressure it just felt a touch different and I thought that was very interesting is that you can have all the same aids but have it be Again, the way that you could say to someone, put your leg on and that drives the horse forward versus put your leg on and it drives the horse sideways. How does the pressure and the orientation of the different parts of your body make the horse do that in a different way? So I thought, yeah, exactly like you said, this idea that you can think about the same thing in a different way was really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that, you know, and just along the same lines, the way that is that someone had put it to me is that you have to have a little piece of traver in your shoulder in and a little piece of shoulder in in your traver so that you can manipulate or, or keep suppleness throughout the horse from pole to tail, no matter which exercise you're riding. And, 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 and so into the half pass, you already have all the pieces together because you've been riding and paying attention to them in, in both of those movements that, that when you're riding a shoulder in, you're not, you have to be aware of the hind legs and, and the horse has to still be bending from, pole to tail not just from not just from shoulder forward or wither forward or rider's seat forward in the shoulder and, and from rider's seat backwards and in, in the traver because you're missing half the horse in the whole picture and and energy and you know and all these things are, are all a piece of it but you have to have control of the whole horse so that you can make less bend make more bend more hind leg around you know whatever and worry about your angles um in a total package as well as the pieces separately does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does. Reese, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, no, I, I think Phil and Hillary, I think both of you guys' way of describing it is really cool. And I think the idea of keeping the lateral suppleness through the whole horse, I, I always think, and, and I always remind my students that anytime you're doing movements, shoulder in, haunches in, it's actually to make the horse's gates better. 
And I think that's all of this is kind of in that same realm is, is as you're, you're increasing your lateral suppleness. So you have to remember that as you're doing the entire exercise. So I love the, I love the way of thinking about that. That was super cool. So Hillary, any, any other things that you learned during the week? What were some other big highlights yeah. for you? So actually the, the last tip I have, cause I could go on and on, I'm actually working on a, a longer article for the magazine for it. But the last tip that I'm going to share with you guys um, Scott Hassler had a really cool exercise and I only caught part of it. So again, um, you know, I'm going to go back and kind of talk to him about it, but he had a horse that he was working with the, the rider and the horse is having an, uh, a little bit of a lazy issue with in the pirouettes, not wanting to push off that outside hind. So he had the horse and rider doing counter canter on a circle to a pirouette canter in counter canter on the circle when the horse and rider got the pirouette canter in the counter canter so say you're going on the circle left in a right lead canter you go to ask for pirouette canter that left hind comes up and underneath as soon as you get to the place where you feel you have a nice um pirouette canter where that left hind was working he had the, the rider then ride the pirouette right off of the circle does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so I you're using cool. it to activate the horse and then change the direction yeah yeah but and it was right the pirouette canter right into the pirouette right and um i just thought it was interesting maybe i live under a rock but i had never <laughs> seen anyone do that before I'm used to more of the you know ride the 90 degree turn ride it out and um, I just found that interesting to see that because I've also seen you know walk into canter to activate but um, the counter canter in the pirouette canter going to the pirouette I just thought that was very clever um, for this horse in particular who wanted to be lazy not working that outside hind yeah yeah, no, that's, it's a really good exercise. And it's also good as you're teaching pirouettes. Like you said, there's, there's, you know, the standard on a circle, bring it in, do your quarter turns, that kind of stuff. But this exercise also helps with that. It's just a different approach to it. And I think that that's always good, you know, to have several different approaches to the same problem. So I, I think that was awesome. How about you, Phil? Uh, that, that's kind of cool. And, and also, I think as you train your horse up through the levels, we touch on some counter canter from first level into second level and then in third level everybody's so concerned with the changes and we ride a lot of changes and then we kind of forget about counter canter a little bit so um it's good to come like if you're at third level and and that's kind of where you're at don't forget to ride your counter canter you know everywhere on circles and stuff because it com- becomes very mm-hmm. important again as you approach uh fourth level saint george you know that you have a really good strong canter canter and that you can adjust it right because in third level there's a piece you know there's pieces of counter canter there you know as you ride as you ride half pass to the wall counter canter then flying change but the horses actually become kind of uncomfortable in the counter canter again you know uh, as you get into first level and second level you you're riding very little counter canter then you're developing it but people forget to you know 
after the after you learn the changes to continue to develop counter canter the straightness and the ability to ride it forward and back and make the horse even more comfortable to be able to go to a super collected canter and and then to a extended canter I, one of my favorite exercises is to ride extended canter in a counter canter which is I mean, I, that doesn't occur in any test, mm-hmm. but it's so handy that the horse just doesn't, when becoming uncomfortable, flip off a lead and just, I know flying change. Oh, you know, I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to, you know, create that nice bouncing expression in the hind leg. I'm just going to change the leads. Then I'll go forward. Well, you know, you have to continue to work on it and to make your horse supple. And then it becomes useful in these kinds of exercises where one day your coach and trainer might just say, let's do this. And you're like, oh, what happened? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't do counter canter anymore. You know, we, well, let's just do changes, right? So, that's, I mean, that's cool when you're bringing it back and, and, and bringing exercises in that you don't see in a, in, a, in a test booklet, but are very cool and very useful and, and can really help the horse to be balanced on both hind legs, both leads, strong, powerful, and be able to then sit down to do a pirouette. So, I really like that, and that look at, thought. Um, look at the pre-St. George, I think for myself. Mm-hmm of all the movements, except for, you know, one or two, if you look at how the horse and rider handle that portion after the half pirouette, before that change at sea, mm-hmm. I feel like one of the biggest tells that they're green to the level or they aren't working their foundational stuff is that they usually miss the change when they're oh, tempted mm-hmm. or gorgeous, mm-hmm. but they come tearing around the horse's cranked staring <laughs> at the judge face on because they're trying yeah. to hold the counter canner <laughs> yeah. and yeah. they go to do the change right in front of the judge. And you're, you're thinking, Oh my gosh, oh, like, no. it, you guys if you just practice this. It would be fine. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think both things happen there. Either the horse is running away too much forward or they sit behind the rider the entire time because they don't want to actually work off their butt and, and you get a late change there or the horse, you know, does a, a accidental walk transition or something, you know? So there's yeah. a, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen in that, that short little series of space. You know, it's kind of one corner, but there's so much there that tells you what's going on with the horse and, and rider and, and how they're riding. So that's, yeah, that's a really great point. Okay. Well, as always, we can't thank Hillary enough for coming on the show. Hillary, how would our listeners get in touch with you online? Um, they can check us out at dressagetoday.com. And also there's Facebook, uh, Twitter, and, um, you know, you can just check us out on all the social media. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And we can't wait to hear about your adventure in Canada. Yes. I will talk to you guys soon about it. Those were such great tips from Hillary. She's so good at, at seeing all of that. And so now I, I look forward to sharing this interview with Jordan Osborne. She was one of the participants in this clinic, and I hope you enjoy. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Jordan Osborne, a rider at Dressage for Kids, Courtney King Dye Horse Mastership Clinic that happened last week at Hassler Dressage. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so happy to hear all about this experience. It sounds like it was phenomenal. And I wanted to hear a little bit about yourself and about your pony, first of all, um, before we get into how the clinic went. Okay, well, I am 14. And I've been riding my whole life. I've been doing dressage, I think, seven years. And this year, I am riding on my German riding pony, Cinderella. We are doing first level. And, yeah, she's great. Oh, my gosh. Tell us about Cinderella. 
What does she like to ride around? How did you get her? Yeah, how did you come by a German riding pony? Where did you get her? Well, she's great. She's a pony, and she is a very big mover, not anything like I was used to. But she has, even in just a year, she's taught me a ton. And she is my first mare, but she has a great personality, too. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about how did you get into this dressage for kids camp? This sounds awesome. Well, it was invitation. After we, like, signed up, we were given a chance to say, yes, we would like to participate. And then off of the list of people that would be interested, they chose the people that they wanted to attend. Love it. So what was it like? It was wonderful. We got there Monday night and set up. And then Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., we just started going and we didn't stop until Saturday. (laughs) We had a bunch of lectures and we watched everyone riding when we weren't throughout the day. Uh, let's see, there were four trainers. Who were the trainers? Uh, so who were the trainers? Yeah, tell us about on, the trainers. On Tuesday and Wednesday, it was Courtney King Dye and Scott Hassler. I rode with, actually, I rode with Lendon on Tuesday and then Courtney on Wednesday, yeah. And Courtney is great. <laughs> She is great. She's fantastic. And so is Lyndon. I mean, all those trainers, my goodness, that you guys were were exposed to those trainers is phenomenal. And is there a workout component to this camp as well? Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. I'd be out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What'd you do in a workout? What was that all about? Every morning we end most of the afternoons after all the lessons were done, we would do Pilates and some kind of like massage therapy each day. And I, I actually really liked it. It was really hard a lot of times because your body's just, sometimes they aren't used to it if you don't normally do it. But I noticed a really great improvement in my riding because we did a lot on like loosening our spine and strengthening our core. Yeah, fantastic. I love it. Important things, huh? Important things. And how about the rest of the week? What did you guys do? Well, like I said, Tuesday and Wednesday, we all rode. And then Thursday, we got to go to Fair Hill. And we looked at all of the different uh, therapy methods that they use. And we got a whole tour of most of the facility. It's very big, so not all of it. But we got to look around there. And then we went back to the barn. And had a few more lectures, like we did more Pilates. And had, on Friday, we had a vet from New Bolton Center come out and talk to us about the ligaments. And we just, a lot of it was the riding, but the lectures were great too. Oh, fantastic. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, If people were interested in finding out more about Dressage for Kids, how would they do that? Well, you can first go on the website and go on all of the different applications. It would, it's great to sign up for the team program, uh, training, educating, and mentoring. That is the program that it's, 
with dressage for kids and that's where all the clinics come out of and just to put in an application for that great thank you so much for coming on the show you did a great job This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, tonight we're talking about the synthetic shoulder relief girth by Total Saddle Fit. And as everybody knows, Phil and I use all of their girths, and I really love the synthetic girth. Um, it now it's affordable. It's antimicrobial. It's easy to clean. Justin doesn't get mad when I hose it off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I use it. Um, I have a Frisian and it fits his saddle so well and he loves it. And we've had no trouble with girth rubs or girth galls with this. Um, and it improves the saddle fit horse is more comfortable at the center of the girth sits in the horse's natural girth grooves while the sides are set back and attached to the billets farther back that prevents the saddle from being pulled to the shoulders. This even works on saddles that fit well because it simply corrects the physics of how the girth sits on the horse. The unique shape has special cutouts for the elbow clearance as well. And the synthetic girth relief girth is even compatible with the total saddle fit custom shapes, 100% wool fleece cover. And it gets the synthetic shoulder relief at totalsaddlefit.com. And you're going to love it. We, we really like this girth. It's even more affordable than the leather one. And like I said, I use it every day on, on a Frisian that can be a little tricky to fit. Um, you know, Frisians are sometimes rounder. Yeah, in I the mean, any, any, <laughs> any, yeah, any horse that you know has a little might be carrying a little extra weight, and that saddle slides on the shoulders. I mean, every version of the the total re- relief w- girth works, but um, I like this one on the horses that sweat a little bit more, or if you're down in, in the in the warmer climate, you know, mm-hmm. to worry about your tack molding or whatever you can hose it off use it hose it off use it again you know it's really i mean it's a super product and yeah if yeah if you're a little bit budget conscious this, this is a great option yeah right? love you it. Help, you know, help with the fitting because you know you can only get those in, in the in the synthetics you now have an op- a synthetic option um with with great fit as well so that's amazing it's perfect so we yeah. thank justin for all of his great products all the time I think I'm going to check into this. This looks like a good idea. I know, Jen, for you in South Florida, or, or sorry, Northern Florida, this is great. This You would really like yeah, it. Yeah, my, my tack so. lives uh, basically out of doors. We, have, we do not have air conditioning in our tack room. So mold yeah. and mildew are a huge problem. And constantly putting anti-mold and mildew stuff on your leather tack, is, it's a little tough. Yeah, I don't like yeah. doing that. So synthetic is, is where I go. And... Um, I have I think you'll like that, that uh, Nigel appreciates not having his shoulders poked. So I'm going to Yeah, to magically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, fantastic. Magically. Yeah, fantastic. absolutely. So check it out. <laughs> and now, Jen, you have, drumroll please, drumroll. Our, our question of the week. Question what, of what the week. I, I found this question on Facebook. Uh, one of our listeners asked if you have any exercises to improve the quality of the horse's canter. And in this particular case, the horse and rider are just working their way into training level. So they're, they're sort of beginners when it comes to dressage. They are not dressage-only riders. They do lots of things, uh, but use dressage as a way to improve their skills overall. 
and they have particular trouble maintaining rhythm on straight lines. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll take this one first because uh, I actually shout out this week to all my eventers that are at the American Eventing Championships. And I've got uh, several there and several here that are competing in the Area A Championships. So we wish them all good luck. Um, but this is a very, very common problem. And uh, and the reason I say that with my eventers is because I do a lot of sort of cross disciplines. I do eventers, I do show jumpers, and their biggest complaint is quality of canter. Because for jumping, it's incredibly important that they're able to have control, that the horse can do a half halt, uh, and just basic, you know, can they turn, can they go straight, uh, can they go forward, can they go back. So those are the kind of four things that at the, at the lower levels we work on in dressage, but also if, if you're doing a different discipline with your horse. Um, so the thing that I like a lot, um, and it makes sense that this horse struggles as they go straight down the long side. Because, and you see this in the training level and obviously the um, beginner novice and novice eventing tests, there's not a very long span that they have to go forward um, and straight. And my thing is, I think it's important to not ask your horse to go the entire length of the arena in the very beginning um, if you're really working on balance. You know, when you start young horses, you, you use the wall and you go forward and back on the wall and they learn to go around the entire arena. But as you sort of get that horse a little more schooled and you're going toward having to ride a test or even maybe a test in a small arena, it gets a little bit more difficult to just put your gas pedal on and go straight down the long side. So the first thing that I do with my horses is I want to make sure, number one, they understand the horse is broken is what it sounds like. So um, with that said, I like to do a lot of trot canter transitions and think with the canter, it's quality, not quantity. So quantity, you get in a lot of trouble if you just canter that horse around and it sort of becomes like a motorcycle out of control. I think Ooh, that's bad. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Where I, you yeah. Well, everybody... you people go, well, I got a canter. So they keep yes. cantering until it completely <laughs> falls apart. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a bad idea. Quality, not quantity. So that's important as you first do canter. You know, if you want to teach a horse to canter or work more quantity, I would tell you to go and lunge, you know, and let it get some balance on the lunge line. I think that that's important, but again, quality, not quantity. So I don't like doing 15 circles in the canter where the canter just gets more and more unbalanced. So especially as you're trying to teach this horse to collect. So that would be a big thing for me is make sure that you're doing, um, you know, enough transitions to get that horse stronger. And then as you start to go down the long side um, and go three or four strides and then go and do another circle and rebalance <gasps> that horse. Good idea. Go yeah. straight for a few strides at a time and then go back to your circle. And then go back to your circle. Yeah, yeah it sounds novel, but you would be amazed on how many people try to make it down the long side the horse gets inverted and breaks to the trot and then they flail and kick on them and then the horse's head comes up and and that's the other thing if your horse does break and you can't get him quickly back into the canter you need to sort of abort mission (laughs) i don't think that sort of the bounce and we've all done it uh you know it's all happens happened to phil and i and jen you know don't don't kick that horse back into the canter you know don't don't try if it's unbalanced that is the absolute worst worst thing to do don't do yeah, it. That's a big no, no. 
Yeah. So, Phil, what do you have to add to this conversation? You got a lot. Yeah, I was I was just going to say when your horse breaks, think of it as an opportunity to do a new transition back to canter to get the quality back. And the other thing is that the horse and rider at this point have to be comfortable hanging out in a place that is almost to trot. Mm-hmm. So you'll have your horse trot a thousand times before he understands or she or understands that that is an okay place to canter, right? I see it too much that the horse gets to a nice comfortable spot and then get drops out of canter and then all of a sudden being kicked by the rider. So what does the horse think? Scrambling around the arena is the only option. No, uh, you know, set it back. Maybe you'll only get a stride. Maybe you'll only get two strides, but that's the place you want to be. And you should never, you know, kick or whip or punish the horse for dropping out of canter because he will lose confidence to be calm and collected and fast. And, and, and then where do you go from there? You're, you're fighting yourself. You're fighting your own, own training when just because the horse lose for that, that's, I mean, it's just, um, it's hard. You know, like like we said, we are all like, okay, we want to be here. And when the horse doesn't canter, we're upset and whatever. Just opportunities for training, you know. And then uh, an exercise that I was using today, which is super handy, is um, doing a figure eight in canter. You know, even if you get three strides canter, come back to trot, change the direction, three strides canter. You know, just like that. Like we said, just quality over quantity and lots of transitions to build the horse's strength and confidence from a balanced trot, not from a running away trot. That's key. So, um, you know, just take your time, right? This is really important. It's worth spending time on and not punishing the horse for, for trotting when, when you wanted to canter. Right. Right. Well, we hope that helps and we love questions and we were super successful. Everyone seemed to really like the question show we did last month. So if you have a question and want to come and talk with us, it is not live. We don't record the show live, but um, we will have you come on the show with Phil and I and uh, talk about your question. We Everyone seemed to really love that. So uh, we're already starting to collect questions for September. So don't be shy and uh, we'll, we'll get them on. So uh, send us an email. And uh, as you guys know, my email is Reese at Horse Radio Network, or you can do Philip at Horse Radio Network. And uh, we'd like to field those questions, or you can send them to us on the Facebook page, and uh, Glenn or Jennifer will magically grab those. So don't be shy. And again, thank you for Total Saddle Fit for always being our sponsor on this um, question. We always love doing it. And everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or, like we said, my email, philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to go for check the show network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week.